I wanted to just take a moment. I wanted to acknowledge those of you that are watching online right now. Pastor Mark had already mentioned it to you, but we're living in a time where you can actually stream some of the heavy-hitting speakers, the, the, the well-known, world-renowned speakers, and you can do that. But I believe that you've tuned in today because you realize that you're part of a greater community that what God is doing here at Clover Hill. And as awesome as it is, is we can stream uh, amazing worship services and we can stream amazing preaching, but we can't, we can't get community. And that's why you're here today. And I really thank those of you that have walked through the doors of the church this morning so that we can connect and to be together. Uh, uh, Pastor Stan had asked the campus pastors to kick off this series called You Heard What? And what we're trying to do is Pastor Barry is speaking over at Mosley Campus right now. And we're just grateful for what God is doing over at the Mosley Campus. Hundreds of people are coming to know Jesus Christ through the servant uh, hearts of those that are at that campus. And I wanted to brag about you for just a minute because I watched you last week and how you served. We have never seen the volume of people walk through our doors like we did last week. And so in 13 years of, or 14 years of us being at this church, it was the first Easter Sunday that I saw where our teams were not freaking out. They weren't stressed or anxious or, or worried about all these things that would happen. And I believe that we are living in the last days. I believe that the Lord is pouring out his spirit, not only on Clover Hill, but he's pouring out his spirit on our entire community. And I, I believe that people are at a point right now in their lives where they're saying, what is it that I need to do? How can I have what you have? How is it that I can uh, experience what you're experiencing? And I'm finding that God is using you not only to speak life into them, but point them to Jesus Christ and to pray miracles into their lives as well. And so if God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh in the last days, then I believe that he is depending on his church to be able to contain or house the people that will come through our doors. And what it demonstrated to me last week was, is when you were able to serve the volume of people that came through and you not even bat an eye at it, it made me realize that you're ready for more, that God is not only ready to pour out his spirit, but you as a church are ready to receive the new souls that will be coming in to the kingdom of God. That is something we're celebrating. Thanks, Dave. I, I got you, bro. <laughs> So there, there's, a, there's a message that God has put on my heart, and um, it's, it's entitled, You Heard That You Won't Amount to Much. You Heard That You Won't Amount to Much. It's a message on purpose. And I've been studying a little bit about this, and there's two guys that I was following. One guy is a, a gentleman by the name of Dennis Rouse, and another guy is Dr. Miles Monroe. And Dr. Miles Monroe said this, there's three questions that everyone must answer in life. The first question is the question of existence. It is, why am I alive? The second question is a question of significance. Does my life really matter? And the third question is a question of intention. What is my purpose? And so if you're here today, one of the things I love about this campus is there is diversity in this crowd. Not only racial diversity, but socioeconomic diversity and generational diversity. As young as 12 years old that are in this service right now, but also those of you that are in your 80s and 90s. And regardless of what season or generation you're in, I believe that your best days are still ahead of you. And there's a purpose that God wants to draw out of you in this season. And so what, I'm, what I like to do is I like to give the people that I speak to the idea of where the plane's going to land at the end of the message so that we are all prepared prepared and ready for what it is that God wants to do in terms of response from us. And so at the end of the service, I'm going to have the worship team come back up. I'm going to have the prayer team join us across the front. I'm going to have you stand to your feet. And you're here today, and you've walked in through the doors, and you're at a place of complete brokenness, and you're at a place of complete loss, 
I felt that I was supposed to speak to this, speak this message as if I'm speaking to just one person. But what we're going to do is we're going to give you the opportunity. If you've never accepted Jesus into your life, surrendered your life completely to him, somebody here at the front that's on the prayer team wants to lead you in prayer. And so you might be saying, well, sometimes we lift our hands. Sometimes we just say a prayer at our seats. What I'm finding with people that make a confession of faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. And so I'm asking you today that if you're here and you're at your wit's end, you might be thinking, what's everyone going to say and what's everyone going to think? I guarantee you, they're not thinking or saying or anything else. They're not thinking anything, but I believe that there's going to be an eruption of celebration and praise and thanksgiving that one new soul has been added to the kingdom. So there'll be an invitation. There'll be one invitation, and then there's a second invitation, and that's related to the message that I'm about to share with you. So can you just bow your heads for just a moment, and then we will we'll get this thing started. Lord, I thank you once again. And God, I, I know that I've preached this message already this morning. But I do ask that there would be revelation and a rhema word that comes forth right now. I thank you again for the anointing of God that is, that is true, that is real, that is one that we can experience day by day. And so, God, I fully and humbly submit myself to you. I pray that for every heart that is in this place right now, that they'll receive the message of truth and hope. And I pray that we'll be able to respond to it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And if you're in agreement, would you just shout a big amen? All right. So, growing up, do you remember that toy that you had or that thing that your parents or a loved one bought you that you remember as the most favorite toy that you ever had? Do you remember as a kid what that was? If you can just think for a second. As an eight-year-old, I don't remember from zero to eight if, I, if my parents actually bought me any toys or not. But at eight years old, my parents had bought me a red and silver BMX bike. And so for me, most of you know, because I've shared many times, that I grew up in Toronto, and so we lived at 24 Knoll Drive. Knoll Drive was connected to a street called Taylorwood. Taylorwood was this steep, steep hill, and basically Taylorwood went from the top of where it it started right down to a road called Edenbridge. Edenbridge was connected to a road called Scarlet Road. Scarlet Road, for context, is the road that Drake talks about in his song, God's Plan. And if you're a parent that's here either in middle or high school, God's plan is not about God's plan. God's plan is something else that Drake is thinking about, but I don't want you to worry about that right now. So I get to, the, I get to this place where I'm, I've got my bike, my BMX bike, and I grew up loving cars. You guys know that already. And so I have a need for speed, and I had it since I was a young age. And so at eight years old, I couldn't have access to a vehicle for obvious reasons, but I was going to take my BMX bike, and I was going to take it to the very top of Taylorwood the moment that I got home from the store. And so I took my bike up to Taylorwood, and I, in my head, I'm thinking about the Dukes of Hazard. I'm thinking about Knight Rider. I'm thinking about Chips. I'm thinking about Simon and Simon. I'm thinking about the A-Team. I'm thinking about all of these shows that I watch as a kid, and I'm loving life because I'm about to be one of them. And so what they do is when there's a car chase, when there's something that's going down, they go full speed, full throttle, and they get to a point where they're about to hit a cliff. They're about to – something terrible is about to happen, but they screech their brakes. The car skids. And they look real cool, and that's what I was going to do with my BMX bike. So I get to the top of Taylorwood. Again, Noel Drive, Taylorwood, Edenbridge, Scarlet Road, Drake, God's plan. All right. So we, um, we get to the top. I get to the top of Taylorwood, smiling cheek to cheek, hair blowing in the wind because I had hair at that particular time. I was eight years old. And I start pedaling like there's no tomorrow. And I start getting it and start getting some speed. 
and I see Null Drive just whiz right by me, and I'm getting close to the end, and I look down at my bike and my crossbar, and I realize that I didn't know which one was the rear brake and which one was the front brake. And so I'm, I'm at this moment in time, it was about 10 seconds where I'm looking around, and I see my, my young life flash before my eyes. I was born, I got a BMX bike, and then I died. Like, these things are, I'm th it's like in slow motion at this particular time. And so I look down, I've got a 50-50 chance, I've got the favor of the Lord with me, there's no weapon formed against me that'll prosper. I'm saying all these verses that I don't really know, but it just makes the story sound really good. And so I get to the point, and it's time to pull the brake. Eden Bridge is coming up on me really, really fast. And so I pull the brake as hard as I can, and of course it ends up being the front brake. And so I fly over the crossbar like there's no tomorrow. You know in the Olympics where they're running real fast down the mat, the gymnasts, they're running across the mat real fast, and then they just leap through the air, and they tumble and all this stuff. I was doing that on Taylorwood. And so I finally hit the ground, and I just see sky asphalt, sky asphalt. I'm just rolling now. And so in that time, it's while I'm flying through the air, on Eden Bridge, I think I saw the Lord Jesus Christ himself standing there with his arms open saying, come, my son, enter into your rest. And I see Drake on the other side penning the words to God's plan. So my brown skin, you know when you get cut, like there's a moment when you get cut that nothing happens. And then out of nowhere, blood just starts gushing from everywhere. And so I even have like a scar on my chin where I can't grow hair on my beard. But um, I'm sitting there and I am beaten up, I'm bruised, I'm bloody, it is a mess. My bike is messed up. I'm, I'm thinking that my dad's about to commit a homicide in our home when I get home with my bike. And I think I share that story with you because there is purpose and there is intentionality and there is design in everything. There is a way that something is supposed to work. And I think some of you are here today and you're looking at your life and you're laid out on Taylorwood because you've lived your life in a way that was not meant to be designed and lived out. And you're, you're, you're beaten up and you're bloody and you're bruised and you're here today. And I just want to share this message of hope. There's, a, there's three questions that I wanted to go back to that Dr. Miles Monroe said. Is the first question was, why am I alive? So why in the round world are you here? So the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 16, to answer this question, if we're going to go to the word of God and understand your design, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes. So if you're here today and you're trying to figure out why you're alive, you are here on this planet right now in 2018 to fulfill the promises of God. Ephesians says this, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Let me say that again. It is in Christ we find out who you are and what you're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Before you were conceived, before you breathed your first breath, God had his mind on you. He had thought about you. He had designs for us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. It talks about glorious living. So my question to you right now as you're sitting there looking up at me and trying to figure out, okay, where do I fit in this whole thing? Are you experiencing glorious living right now? And if you're not, the question is, is, are you living according to God's purpose? If you're living according to God's purpose, a byproduct of living according to God's purpose is glorious living. And so I remember a time where I would wake up and I'd go through my days and I'd go through my seasons and I'd go through school and I'd try and figure this thing out. 
and I couldn't answer that question. I couldn't understand. This verse never became real to me. And I began asking myself, what is the point? What am I doing here? What is this thing all about? And for years, I struggled with that. So question number one, again, why am I alive? You're here to fulfill God's purpose. The second question that Dr. Miles Monroe asked is, does my life really matter? Does my life really matter? And so this is a question of significance. And so there's levels in life that I want to talk to you about. The first level is a level of survival. These are the people that are just trying to get to get to the end of the day. They're living day by day, paycheck to paycheck. They're barely keeping their head above water. The power is barely on. Their relationships are a mess. They are just, they're the Taylor Wood person. They're looking at their life going, what in the round world is going on? That is survival mode. There's another, another level that's called the success level. This is where you and I break out of survival mode and we actually start succeeding in life. We get a family, we get a, uh, a wife, we get a husband, we get a significant um, uh, raise in our jobs, we're successful in our careers. We become things, and so we become successful. We also equate it to what we know as the American dream. And so we start living life, and we start achieving all this stuff, no longer in uh, survival mode, which does not look to tomorrow, to success mode, where we're just thinking about ourselves. But there's one more level that exists that you might not be aware of, but I want to make you aware of it today. So there's survival, there's success, and there's a significance level. This is where you shift. In the success level, you shift from focusing on yourself uh, to significance level where you start to focus on other people. Listen to what Paul writes. He says in Philippians chapter 2, let nothing be done. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each, each esteem others better than himself. Let us, each of you, look out not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. In the significance level, you start to look away from yourself, away from your family, away from me and mine, and you start to look around you to recognize needs that are going on all around us. And so there is something that has to be equated now to those that are living in success. And I believe survival mode are people that aren't necessarily walking with Jesus. Success mode, I believe, are believers but significance level, this is where disciples are, are, are actually being lived out and walked out. So believers, they're still all about themselves. Jesus, come into my life and make me new. It is all about me, what, you, what the church can do for me, what the community can do for me, what my bosses can do for me. There are believers that are in this place that are believers, and you stay in the success mode. As you become a disciple you start to shift that focus. You getting this? It starts to shift you away. So listen to what some, some variations are from differences from success and significance. Success will ask, how can I add value to myself? Significance will ask, how can I add value to others? If I pursue success, my joy is the result of my success, my reaping of my own reward. If I pursue significance, my joy is the result of other people's success. Success, it can last for a lifetime. Significance will last for eternity. And so my, my question to you today is, are you a believer or are you a disciple? Question number three, again, question number two was, what is my purpose? Um, sorry. Does my life really matter? And then question number three is, what is my purpose? And this is where we begin to shift our focus away from ourselves 
Dr. Miles Monroe said this. He says, there is something for you to start that is ordained for you to finish. You cannot help other people until you define life for yourself. And Bible, the Bible says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. And so there is this process that we have to go through. When we're talking about, okay, does my life matter? What, am I here, what on earth am I here for? There's a, there's a process that needs to happen when it comes to you understanding your purpose. So I wanted to give you four things, and then we're going to respond to the message. And so the first thing is, your purpose is created with a cross experience. Your purpose is created with a cross experience. Then he said to them all, this is Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it to gain the whole world? What is it to gain that career? What is it to gain every success that you can find in this world and yet forfeit their very self? Now, when we preach the message of, of hope and salvation and all these different things, in this nation right now, the message of hope, the message of you can do it, the message of encouragement, that will always, it'll always draw a crowd. Every time, anytime, all the time. It'll always draw a crowd. But when you speak the message of the cross, the cross is an instrument of death. That is not fun, and that is not something that draws in the crowd. I believe that there are people that once they catch wind that that there is a cross that daily you and I have to pick up, they actually throw in the towel. They look at what what it costs in order for us to become a disciple and a follower of Christ, and it's not worth it. And so they stay in the success level, or they revert to the survival mode. So purpose is created with a cross experience. My prayer for you today is that you would understand that the things that we face in this life, when you go back and you hear about and you read about what Jesus went through before he went to the cross, our Savior, our Lord, our Comforter, and our friend, he was humiliated in public. He was beat to a pulp. And even before they nailed him to a cross, he bled out. In, in ways that I can't even fathom or imagine. There is a painful experience that some of you are going through right now, but I believe that there's greatness that is locked up inside of you, and there's potential that is hidden within you, that only when we go through certain trials and difficulties that the Lord is able to draw these things out of you. When you think about a gemstone or a diamond or something like that, you have to know that that isn't just sitting on top of the land somewhere. It is mined for. It is dug out. And I believe that sometimes we equate the issues that we go through to the enemy. We say, oh, it's just the devil. And I think we give the devil a little too much credit than he actually deserves. When I think about how it all started out in the beginning of time, did you know that the enemy was an angel that existed in heaven? He is a created being. And at some point in time, God kicks him out of heaven, and a third of the angels fall with him and follow, follow the devil. So right off the bat, my math tells me that for every demon that exists, there's two angels. And so there's two against one every single time. And so there he is a defeated foe. And when I'm thinking about it, you might equate the challenges and the problems that you, uh, you are experiencing right now to the enemy. But if you slammed your finger in the door, instead of blaming the enemy, maybe you just slammed your finger in the door and it hurts a whole lot. And so 
things are going to happen in this life. Why they happen, we can sit here and we can try and figure it out and wrestle through it. But I want you to understand, there are some challenges that you and I are facing in our lives right now that God is saying that there's something that is locked up inside of you. And I cannot release your entire purpose right now. I can't reveal to you the entire plan, but I'm going to give you a dose of those things. And I believe that what you're facing right now is just a precursor of the greatness that's going to be pulled up out of you. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying this morning? Purpose is created. Purpose is created with a cross experience. Number two, purpose is forged through faithfulness. Purpose is, purpose is forged through faithfulness. The Bible says if you are faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you'll be, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And as the scripture continues, my question to you is what has the Lord placed in front of you right now? What has he entrusted you with? What relationships has he surrounded you with right now? When you look at your workplace, when you look at your school, when you look at the things that are laid out before you right now, yes, there is greatness inside of you. Yes, the Lord wants to pull it out. Yes, there is more in store for you. But before he does that, can you prove to him that you're faithful in the little things? Just as I was... um, encouraging you for how you served last week. I believe that you're being in faith. You are being faithful with what God has entrusted you with. Point number three is this, is again, point number one, purpose is created with a cross experience. Purpose is forged through faithfulness. And point number three, purpose is emboldened through a burden. The Bible says many are are the plans in in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Remember my explanation of a believer and a disciple. A believer will stay awake at night thinking about how they're going to make things happen, how the, the, the world around us can serve them. A disciple, on the other hand, they'll get woken up in the middle of the night with a burden or an urgency or an issue or a circumstance or a, something that's going on in the world around them that keeps them up at night. And what they do is they marshal all the resources available to them to meet that particular need. When I look at you, that's why we're in Crenshaw Elementary School. That's why we're doing things with at-risk kids at Manchester High School. That's why we're in the prison systems across this, this entire nation. This is why we're doing something in the foster care community. This is why when, when a house burns down, somebody will call the church and ask us how we can help be a part of what's happening. You, don't, you might not fully know or realize the extent to which your life is being used to minister to people, but I believe that purpose is emboldened through a burden. When that house that was put up on the market was, was put on, uh, on the market for sale because of a couple that was uh, recently divorced, did that matter to you? When you think about that kid that's getting bullied in school, does it matter to you? When you think about people in this room right now that are hurting and broken, does that matter to you? Purpose is emboldened with a burden. Think about this. This is what I see in the room right now. There are folks that are blue-collar, white-collar, and no-collar areas of industry. There are people that are in this room right now, and you can't even tell, that live in $500,000 homes, and then people that live in homes that are less than $500,000. There are people that are here that are Indian and Filipino and of Asian descent and European descent, those that are immigrants, those that are born in this great nation. There are those that love cats and and others that believe that they are the spawn of Satan. There are those who love the Toronto Raptors, and then there are those that are everyone else. There are those that are trying to find a dream job, and then those that are actually living the dream. There are other people that are students. There are other people that are here that are not like you, 
but I believe that God has positioned you to instill a burden within you, and that is, that is going to be emboldened as you identify and find out your purpose. My last point is this. As the worship team and the prayer team gets ready, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet right now. Everyone in this room, if you would stand. Purpose is created with a cross experience. Purpose is created with a cross experience. Purpose is forged through faithfulness, being faithful in the little things. Purpose is emboldened through a burden. And the last thing is purpose is fueled through faith in God's power. Purpose is fueled through faith in God's power. As we close out, there's this part of Ephesians that I wanted to read, it, read to you, and it's just the end of it. But it says that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the work of his mighty power. As you begin to walk out your God-given purpose, he is going to instill a desire within you that will not die until you meet the needs of those around you. Some of you are here today and you're in survival mode and I'm just going to invite the prayer team if you come and join me across the front. Some of you are here today and you know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have to give your life to Jesus Christ. This is your opportunity to do so. Again, what will everyone think? No one's going to think anything. And so what the, what's going to happen is the worship team's going to start up. And as they pray, if you are away from the Lord or you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, can I invite you today to make that choice? I know. I still remember as a kid sitting in children's church and sitting there somewhere in the middle section and they made this, alt, this call to come to the front. Again, we can raise hands. You can confess with your mouth, all that stuff. But I want you to, I want to raise soldiers in the faith. And out the gate, I want people to, to walk in a measure of courage and boldness. He said, if we'll acknowledge him before men, he'll acknowledge us before the Father. And so that invitation is open. The second thing, when I think about being, the purpose being fueled by God's power, there are miracles and signs and wonders that have happened in a greater measure in this body, in this gathering, like I've never seen before. It's not Pastor Andrew praying. You're praying. You're seeing these things come to pass. Do you remember I told you the story about my sister and her, her condition, uh, her report about cancer? I told you uh, on a given Sunday that she was in the hospital. Do you remember that? I told you that I, I was asking you guys to pray for her. Well, there's a part of the story that I wanted to share with you. Many of you have asked and it shows me that you're looking beyond yourselves. And week in and week out, there's a handful of people that will ask me about my sister by name. And they won't stop praying until. And so on that day, it was a Sunday. I stood up here and my sister had taken one round of chemotherapy. You remember that? And her body just went completely nuts. It just, it, they, the doctors and every single medical person could not figure out what was going on in her body. And so it broke me. There are difficulties that we go through that the Lord is building and strengthening our faith. And so we, we go through that, that time where I share with you. What you don't know about part of this story is there's a lady by the name, and we call her Sister Pam. She's someone that we grew up with, but she is this older Filipino lady, really sweet lady. In 1979, my dad was diagnosed with pneumonia, and he was in the hospital, and the doctors got to a point where he said, I've done, they've done all that they can do. And my mom, 
the nine o'clock service said I didn't share this story before, so I think this is your first time hearing it too. But the my mom said, I'm taking him home then. If you've done all that you can do, then I'm going to take him before the Lord and see what God can do. And so I remember at three years old, at three years old, you don't remember anything at three years old, but this stuck out to me. I couldn't get up the stairs. I couldn't get into the hallway. I couldn't get into the bedroom because there was people, including Sister Pam, kneeled down praying for my father in 1979. Long story short, he gets healed of cancer, uh, healed of pneumonia. That same lady, Sister Pam, that was there praying for 24 hours for my dad, she gets wind the same day that you were praying for my sister. And she's in New York. My cousin sends a picture of himself and her. And my sister says, hey, tell Sister Pam about my condition. She was in the hospital at the time. Sister Pam calls her, and and Sister Pam, in this little sweet old voice, tells Sheila, I'm praying for you. I'd like to pray for you right now. Do you believe that God can heal you? And this sweet little old lady starts to pray. And she starts to pray, and it's like all hell breaks loose. And my sister literally jumps out the bed, not because she's healed, but because she's freaked out. Because Sister Pam went from sweet little old lady to ready to take on every demon in hell that's going on. The answer then comes a day and a half later. My sister is released from the hospital. And there's no more chemotherapy that's being assigned to my sister. God has performed a miracle. During that time, though... God's purposes and God's plans were kind of being birthed inside of me. And so I've seen, along with the partnership of your faith, God do some incredible things. You're here today, and this is the second invitation. You're here today, and you're living a life of success. You've just come off of spring break, and you're sitting back in your chair, and you're admiring all the great things that you've accomplished in this life. And yet there's something still missing. And I'm telling you, as believers, we have got to move to this life of significance where we get our eyes off of ourselves and we fix our eyes on what God is doing. He came to seek and save the lost. And you and I get the opportunity to partner with that. I don't know who I'm talking to today. I feel I'm speaking to as, as if there's one person in the room. And you're here today and your heart is pounding or you just need to make a decision for yourself, for your family, for your, for your future. You're in success. You want to go to significance. I'm asking as the worship team begins to play, either one, you want to make a decision for Jesus Christ, or two, you've been stuck in success mode and it's time to go to significance. Would you step out from where you're standing? The prayer team's going to be down here. I'm going to be praying alongside them. But if that is you, let's step into what God has for us. Can we do that today?